Uh, this Advent season, we have been focusing on four words, four concepts of peace, hope, joy, and love. And we have been and will be looking at these in the coming sermons and in the devotionals that we have released, written by different Nova people. Uh, last week in the sermon, Dean touched on peace. And that's what was reflected then in the devotionals all week. And this week, we're beginning to look at hope. And so, what is hope? Uh, I, I would say that hope centers on our future outlook. Uh, what do we think will happen down the road? Will it be good or bad? You know, you're stuck on a remote island talking to a volleyball and you're either hopeful that you'll get rescued or hopeless that no one will find you. And our lives are spent constantly balancing different hopes. You know, hopeful that our career might go in this direction or that our kids will grow in a certain way hopeful or hopeless about the state of the world, and it's a sliding scale. Uh, so some of us would probably define ourselves as being more optimistic or pessimistic, um, and that might be closely related to being more hopeful or more hopeless. Um, I've always considered myself pretty optimistic and pretty hopeful, and my hope has found a very firm foundation in the biblical story, the story of God taking a messed up world and making everything right. But even if you're not reading the Bible, you know that this world is pretty messed up. And we, as human beings, we sit with the, the broken pieces of the world like a puzzle and try to figure out how they go together longing for a story that makes sense of the mess and gives us a way to put it back together. And especially in an internet age, we have more and more pieces that we need to sort out and fit together because now we can clearly see outside of our immediate neighborhoods into the brokenness of every neighborhood and we're shown the very worst of it all. And it's hard enough to deal with our own imperfect lives and families and friendships and jobs. To then take on the burdens of the world it just fills our capacity for hope to its limit. And you begin to feel like you're barely able to keep your head above water. And so one of the things that we're tempted towards is despair, which I think is the opposite of hope. Because when we look into the future, what possibilities do we see? Maybe we're drowning because of the weight of our own personal circumstances, or maybe it's a reflection on the larger state of the world. If it's all just getting worse, what is the point of even trying? Um, it's somewhat of an Ecclesiastes mindset. Uh, Ecclesiastes 1 says, meaningless, Meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. <laughs> yes, it's in the Bible. Uh, what do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The author of Ecclesiastes sits in a worldview that seems a lot like despair. 
And in this tradition of Solomon, who was the wisest and richest king of Israel, who had all he wanted, this teacher writes, I denied myself nothing that my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet, when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. So I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless. A chasing after the wind. A meaningless life. That is a heavy reflection. But I, I'm glad that the Bible can go there uh, because God knows our struggles. Uh, I recently read a quote that said this. It said, we seldom admit the seductive comfort of hopelessness. It saves us from ambiguity. It has an answer for every question. There's just no point. Hope, on the other hand, is messy. If it all might work out, then we have things to do. We must weather the possibility of happiness. And then in the, uh, the devotionals, I was looking over them and reading them all for this week. In the Tuesday devotional, Laura writes this. I thought this was great. She says, hope is not the path of least resistance. It is a choice, a hard one, and sometimes even an act of defiance when everything around you is tempting you to give in to apathy and despair. Hope is heavy, but just because it is heavy does not mean we shouldn't carry it. We may just have to put some other things down to make room. The world tells us to carry so many things like guilt and shame, insecurity and despair, all of which don't leave us with enough strength to carry the burden of hope. The burden of hope is heavy. And sometimes we want to just take that yoke off of our shoulders. But I, I think our hope can feel a lot lighter if we place it in the right place. Because what are we hoping for? We can hope for many things. Are we placing our hope in the wrong things? And that is why the burden is so heavy. James K.A. Smith writes this. He says, Our idolatries are less like conscious decisions to believe a falsehood and more like learned dispositions to hope in what will disappoint. Isn't that a good word on idolatry? One more time. He says, Our idolatries are less like conscious decisions to believe a falsehood and more like learned dispositions to hope in what will disappoint. And just like the, the author of Ecclesiastes, I think, was finding out, there are many things that we can put our hope in that will fail, that will disappoint us. We place our hope in all kinds of things. We have smaller hopes, like hoping it would be sunny today, or uh, hoping your favorite college football team will win. <laughs> uh, other times, we, <laughs> we place our hope in a spouse or a friend to be the perfect everything for us. 
or place our hope in the American dream, giving us a sense of fulfillment, hope in people, politicians, parents, pastors, but all, all of these things will fail in one way or another. Matthew 6 says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. We're not supposed to place our hope in money or possessions, which will all will fade away in the end, but to hope in God alone, in whom there is no end. Isaiah 40 says, do you not know? Have you not heard the Lord? is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles, they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. It's poetry, of course, but it is poetry given to a people in the middle of an immensely distressing situation who almost certainly would have been losing hope. And this, this psalm would be read to people who are sitting in the midst of exile with a foreign nation having devastated their people and their culture, and Isaiah exhorts them to place their hope in God. And I think it's absolutely noteworthy that this is being done through poetry. In the Bible, we have this prophetic poetry, we have songs in the Psalms, and we have these artistically crafted narratives, all this beautiful, artful literature that's meant to give hope to people who are right in the middle of a mess. Because as they're sitting in exile, they are reading and singing David's songs of lament and hope. And I'm not sure if it's because I find myself especially drawn to art or if everyone is at least a little bit like me, but I think that God has made us, like literally created us, to have our hope bolstered by art. That's why he gave us the Bible. <laughs> and, and I think we acknowledge this in part by singing songs every Sunday gathering, songs that give us hope, songs that tap us into God's great story, songs that allow us to lament and draw near. Psalm 42 says, why are you in despair, my soul? Why are you restless within me? Wait for God, for I will again praise him for the help of his presence. My God, my soul is in despair within me. Therefore, I remember you, God, from the land of the Jordan and the peaks of Hermon from Mount Nazar, Deep calls to deep at the sound of your waterfalls. At your breakers and your waves, they have passed over me. The Lord will send his goodness in the daytime, and his song will be with me in the night, a prayer to the God of my life. And here at Nova, we have wonderful opportunities to engage with art. We just sang, the worship set was fantastic. I loved that last song. I almost wanted to just like do the last song again and just like not even preach the rest of my sermon because that was like the perfect message. Um, 
But we have wonderful opportunities coming up to engage more of this art, like next week we have the choir concert, and then the week after that we have Campfire Christmas. The, the world is vying for our attention with so many different things, and art helps us to snap out of it, to see clearly, even if it's seeing through an artful lens. And we, we long to find ourselves in a story with a happily ever after, to hope for the dragons to be slayed and to have your little town restored to what it once was. We crave reminders that all will be made right, and we know that God promises to do that. I've been thinking a lot about movies recently because I've been trying to walk um, some of my friends through some of my favorite movies. Um, and I've noticed, as I've been looking through my favorite movies, um, which change throughout my life, uh, they have been movies that have given me great hope in the midst of whatever difficulty I was struggling with at the time. And I think that's pretty common, um, to have your favorite touch a personal aspect of your life. Um, but maybe you're more like, my favorite movie is Top Gun because the planes go whoosh. Um, in which case, no judgment, because that movie is fantastic. Um, <laughs> uh, one movie that's been like way up on my list since it came out all the way back in 2006, which like doesn't sound like a long time ago, but like that was a long time ago, um, <laughs> uh, is a movie titled uh, Children of Men, which is like this dystopian sci-fi thriller of sorts, uh, and it's been on my mind because it's Christmas time, and this is one of those movies that I would controversially call a Christmas movie. It has no Santa Claus, <laughs> it's not even set during Christmas at all, like Die Hard is. Um, this, this movie presents an immensely bleak future. It shows a world in which no babies have been born at all in the whole world in 20 years. And I just, I just rewatched the trailer for it, and it opens with this line of narration. It says, I can't remember the last time I had any hope, and I certainly can't remember when anyone else did either. It's not a cheery Christmas movie, and it's certainly not for kids, um, but you can imagine how hopeless those people would be. It is a world where no children have been born for an entire generation. A world with no future. Absolutely hopeless. And then, and the whole story revolves around, the first woman in 20 years who has just become pregnant. And so now you see why this would make a good Christmas movie, yes? <laughs> Uh, we're now in the Christmas season, and it's easy to get lost in the meals and parties and gifts, and it's easy to forget the reason for the season, that cliche line, <laughs> uh, which, which brings me to my next reflection on hope. Uh, you know, we've just been thinking about how to engage hope through art, but now I'd like us to reflect and think about what I'm calling embodied hope, embodied hope. Um, and em embodied hope takes its most central form in a baby born into the lowliest of settings, the one whom Isaiah poetically prophesied in Isaiah 9, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, 
He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is a line set in a larger poem, and the imagery is fantastic in it. It describes how we are a people who have been walking in darkness, but now see a great light, how the people will rejoice, and about how this child will break the yoke that weighs us down. And he, he says this, Isaiah does, to a burdened people who are weighed down by the hopelessness in the midst of their pain. But they have these songs and poems and promises and stories to keep the embers of their hope kindled. And then the fire is lit when a pregnant woman walks into Bethlehem and gives birth to a child who is named God Saves, who's named Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. A child who will grow up and show others what it looks like to be a child of God, who will sit around meals and invite everyone to become a part of the family. Jesus was the birth of a new generation, a new humanity that is bound with God through the Spirit. And, and Jesus himself, he didn't have any kids, but he had disciples, he had students, followers. Anyone who follows him becomes a part of that new humanity, a new future, meant to be a new generation of hope in a hopeless world, meant to be the embodiment of hope, doing what Jesus did. We were once dead in our sins. The whole world had no future, but then we have been given a chance to become alive again through Christ, born again into a new generation. And now, every action, every conversation, and meal and gift we give can point to the one who we can ultimately rest all of our hope in, the one who holds the future in his hands and promises that all is well. And we all know people who are sitting with the broken pieces of this puzzling world and trying to figure out how they go together, longing to see the bigger picture, who are putting their hopes into things that moth and rust will destroy. And we have a chance to preach the beautiful story of Jesus to all. And I don't mean preach in the conventional sense, because we almost never do like a 20-minute monologue like this, but through our actions and our conversations, through the art that we create, we have a chance to give a reason for the hope that we have, like Peter says in his epistle. The, the strongest testimonies in all of this about hope will be from those whose hope is very tangibly not of this world, whose selflessness and giving and love doesn't make any sense if the resurrection isn't true. And if we didn't have a God who loved us so much that he himself became Emmanuel. May our whole lives be shaped by a hope deeply rooted in Jesus. May we embody Jesus and may it inspire 
hope in the lives of the whole world. Amen. Uh, I want to close by reading a, a short piece of Christmas poetry about hope from an unexpected place. Uh, Drew Jackson has a book of poetry titled God Speaks Through Wombs. And he writes short poems based on the first few chapters of Luke. And this one in particular was based off of Luke 1, 39 to 45, where Mary has just received word that she will be with child. And then she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth. And so let me read the, uh, the passage from Luke first, because it is also a very beautiful work of art. It says this. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby in her womb leapt, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But, but why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as I heard the sound of your greeting and it reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. It's beautiful. Uh, but now let's read uh, Drew's poem. It's titled, Leap. It says this. The dream is no longer deferred, so we leap we can't help it. It rises from within, from deep guttural places. You can't contain our dance. Feel the pit-pat, hear the tip-tap. That's the rhythm of freedom. Let the babies dance. Let them tell us of salvation. Let them lead us to liberation. The babies are inviting us into the dance of the future, on the threshold of a birth, and we will leap. We will leap, we will leap all the way there.